Welcome to the Gimme Golf Podcast, powered by MyrtleBeachGolfTrips.com. I'm your host, Meredith Kirk. Today, we are going to talk about the five reasons why your golf game might suck. Here's my take on it. I am at Litchfield Country Club today to talk about the five reasons why your golf game might suck. Uh (laughs) And joining me is our producer, Nate DeWitt. Nate, I was looking forward to this episode because it's always fun to talk about uh, why we suck at golf sometimes. Exactly. And I kind of know the reasons why I suck. So I'll be interested to see if some of my things are on your list. Okay. All right. So for number one, I chose wrong equipment people not having the correct equipment. For example, I've been in this business for 30 years, been teaching a long time now. This happens all the time to me, but I had a student last week, uh, they came to me for uh, a golf lesson. Of course, one of the first things that I look at is their equipment. I wanna know what they're playing with, right? So I pulled this lady's clubs and she had men's clubs. She was retired in her late 60s. She had men's clubs with stiff shafts. She had um, oversized grips, men oversized grips, and they were blades. Oh, geez. She's a beginner golfer. And I'm thinking, wow, this is gonna be a little challenging. Probably plenty of money to buy yeah. a set of clubs if she... If she oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. She, she wants to buy a new set, and now she, I have her on the on the path now. She's gonna be getting a new set that's fitted. And that's not even going into lie angle, okay? We're not even yeah. going into that, but and that's a whole other thing. But I see that all the time. And then sometimes I see, you know, men that have um, clubs that are not... Um, flexible enough for them or you know they're trying to use clubs that are harder that are not giving them the forgiveness that they could easily tap into with our modern technology and then also just the general settings on drivers you know um let's say somebody's a 25 handicapper and they've got that driver down to nine degrees with a stiff shaft well we need to make some changes (laughs) if this was 15 or 20 years ago i could see that you have an excuse maybe for not having clubs but there is so much knowledge and so Mm -hmm. many places to get club fit now that there's no reason to have clubs that are kind of close to where you should be right right there's no reason for that to happen right yeah like like i said but 20 years ago yeah you'd pull if you're playing golf you just pull some stuff out you'd have some sam sneed irons that your great-grandfather used and you go yeah. out and you hit it around right but you didn't know now we know we have all this knowledge that we know club fitting helps your game there's no exactly. excuse exactly and there's not just one person in town doing it right or where you live there's multiple people that do it your your club professional does it now right. so everyone is well versed in club fitting exactly yeah. i have a student right now that i'm working with a gentleman who's retired uh, he strikes the ball really well. We're actually just working through a series series of golf lessons covering all aspects of the game. His golf clubs, Nate, I'm not joking. They're 1995. I can't remember what they are, but I, these are I'm talking old school. And I've they, they're they're not the correct lie angle. They're not the correct heads. They're not the correct shafts. Even the grips are the grips probably have not been replaced in five years. They're like they're like ice. They're so slick. So. I told him, I said, you know, I'm so glad you're coming to me for golf lessons and we're getting some improvement, but until you get golf clubs that are fitted properly for you and you have the right equipment, you're just not gonna get the results that you're looking for. We're not gonna reach our goals until we have better equipment. And he says in his his mindset, he's old school, okay? He says, well, until I start hitting these clubs really well, 
I'm not going to go spend money on the new clubs. So there is a group of people that are stuck in that mindset saying, no, 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 I need to get really good with these 25-year-old clubs before I get new clubs. And I disagree with that thought process. So that brings me to the question I wanted to ask you, though. So when you, if you are a beginner golfer, when is the time to get club fit? That is a... You nailed it. Okay, that's that is the number one question that I get. When do you get new clubs if you're a beginner golfer? First off, I always suggest at least one to two golf lessons covering the fundamentals. And the reason why is this. When it comes to getting clubs fitted properly, uh, you need to know you need to have the basic fundamentals of the golf swing. Golf swing. For example, if I have a student that is very upright, they're standing literally tall at a dress, their arms are very rigid, straight, the handle of the club is basically shooting to the sky, they don't have the fundamentals of getting into a nice athletic position at a dress, dropping that handle down to the navel. Ideally, when it comes to striking all of your irons, you want to make sure that the butt of the club is going through the navel area, the belt buckle. That's a really good, um, like a, a marker when you're looking at swing plane, okay? So that way they can rotate properly. It actually helps with the spine angle. It That right there is a huge factor of where that, how the handle, how that club is lying on the ground. If that handle is too high and they're very upright and standing tall, well, obviously the heel's coming off the ground, right? Or it could be vice versa. If they're dropping that club down too far, past the navel belt buckle, well, that toe's coming up, okay, so you don't have the correct lie angle. So ideally what I like to do is give at least a minimum of one lesson covering the fundamentals, getting into that nice athletic position, teaching them the basic fundamentals of how to set up to the ball properly. Once a student knows how to set up to the ball properly, they know where that handle needs to be at address. They know that they have that natural um, spine angle that comes with the athletic position, you know, good stance, shoulders, feet, aim, alignment, just the fundamentals. You can usually do it in one lesson. Sometimes it takes me two, but no more than two lessons. After the second lesson, they are ready to go get fitted. And then I send them off and I send them off to various colleagues that I know in the business that are great club fitters. And then they go get fitted. Now I'm certified club fitter, but I specialize in teaching. So I primarily like to focus on just the teaching aspect. I pretty much have a general idea of what all my students need during a lesson. In fact, sometimes I'll write them specs, even saying, hey, this is what I'm seeing. Take this to the club fitter, see what they see, let, let the two of us come together and get this right for you. Because I'm actually watching them hit balls for a long period of time dynamically. You know, I'm watching that ball flight from the grass, not just on a lie board, not on a mat, but I really want to see a student out there hitting the grass, strike, striking the ground like they would be if they're playing. So I, I really have a leading edge on club fitting when it comes to that because not all club fitters do that. Sometimes, you know, think of indoor club fitting. You're hitting on a mat. You're not even hitting grass. So there's something very powerful about getting out to the range, getting a good club fit on the actual ground. It's just, it's that a different sense. reading. Yeah, and especially when it comes to lie angle because lie boards oftentimes when you get fitted, you know how lie boards work. Sometimes lie boards lie. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they lie. So what you may be experiencing indoors on a lie board, you start getting out as more of a static setting. You get on the course where it's more dynamic. Sometimes that can change a little bit. You know, it could be one or two degrees difference when it comes to that lie angle. And, and so that's important too to kind of have both readings. So 
getting back to investments, so if you're a beginner golfer, you, you should not go out and buy a set of clubs right off the way. You should get maybe two or three golf clubs, right, to get that lesson. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't so take the investment in a, in a full set. Yep. Just get the drivers. Uh, what do you think? Driver, seven iron, uh, wedge, putter, putter wedge. and that way. Yeah. Because those aren't going to be. Maybe a hybrid. Yeah, it's not going to be your buys. permanent set. Yeah. You may keep them in as mm-hmm. part of your real set, but at the same time, don't make the investment if you've just started. Right. right, exactly. And, you know, I teach at Myrtlewood Golf Club, and oftentimes I'll have I'll tell students who are coming into the game, don't, you know, for the first lesson or two, before I send you off to get your clubs, we have the top rental clubs at all of our founder collection courses. So you go to any of our courses, you're going to find the best rental sets, the best clubs on the market. So I tell people, listen, when you come out, we can get a rental set. Yeah. You know, you can rent they a set. Not, they may know? not be your specs, but you get a look of them and say, I like the looks of this. Exactly. So if there's a lady golfer, we have we have sets for ladies. It's going to be a lot better than grabbing your husband's clubs coming to the lesson. You know, exactly. so and, you know, Myrtlewood is great. You know, they're like, yes, you know, you can use a rental. So you can always rent clubs one or two times before you invest money into clubs and you're right nate you do not need to have a full bag of clubs and even students coming into the game as a beginner they do not need 14 clubs so i tell people have this perception they want they want to look good i want to look like a golfer right no no no, you don't have to do that in fact i I tell many of my students who who are coming into the game for the first time eight let's start with eight clubs let's get really good at those eight clubs then we can add more in the bag exactly you know, once you have your specs, once you know the company of the clubs that you like, all you do is you contact the company and say, hey, I've got, when you start to see, this is key too. When you, let's say you have eight clubs and you're getting really good at those eight clubs. This is when you know you need more clubs in your bag. When you start to see gaps and yardages in your swing. So when you get to a point where you're like, okay, I've got a nine iron, I have a seven iron, but I'm starting to see a 15, 20 yard gap between my seven and my nine iron, I need something in the middle. Well, it's time for that eight iron. And then you build your set. Yes, you build it you as may not, you progress. You may not need the four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You exactly. may need a six. Uh, and that's so different than, you know, standard set used to be three through which. Right. But now, people don't really carry a three, three iron anymore. To, to Getting back, and I know you've got four more reasons, yeah. but getting back to the gentleman said, I want to get good with these clubs. Right? <laughs> as you know, I just started playing golf again and I had 97 ping ISIs that I, were, I was fit for out in Phoenix, Arizona when I was in the golf industry. I tried to come back and play with those uh-huh. and I know you laughed at me, but <laughs> I ordered some brand new clubs and what a difference clubs are mm-hmm. from now than they were back in 1997. Absolutely. I'm, hitting, I'm longer now with these clubs than I was when I was playing good golf. So mm-hmm. it, it's so important to get clubs that are fit and actually to change clubs once in a while. To right. not keep clubs for 15 or 20 years. It Absolutely. It makes the game so much easier and so much more enjoyable. I guarantee if I was still hitting my pings, I probably would have quit mm-hmm. again. Yeah. So. And, and the, I think one of the biggest changes, too, especially with irons, what they've done to the face, that centerness of contact is now much in easier. Fairness, now, in fairness, a five iron today is a four iron loft of years ago uh-huh. so people thought they're hitting the ball further but they're the, the, they're a little stronger yeah <laughs> I mean, they are. but the technology is definitely much better it's so much better yeah. okay let's get on to number two so uh trying to overpower your shots when you play okay so and i'm going to say this there's a few people that like to show off and <laughs> even myself sometimes i'll try to show off like yeah i'm going to bomb this drive and you know what happens Pfft. Yeah, I hook it. 
<laughs> you know, or slice it. It just, you know, I have an awful shot because I'm trying to overpower. And uh, we all have a tendency at times to show off a little bit. But I, I think in general, general, whether you're trying to show off or not, trying to overpower, trying to swing too fast, swing too hard, you're setting yourself up for perpetual failure. Well, it's the same thing with the irons. If you're playing with your buddies, you think, mm-hmm. well, you're hitting an eight iron when you probably maybe should have hit a seven iron just because you want to tell them it's like yeah i hit an eight iron right well you're 80 yards short so exactly you didn't hit the right club so yeah i can understand that it's the masculinity or the it is or i can hit this club yeah and and, and just a little golf tip and i'm going to throw this in when i was actually getting certified for club fitting um, I got certified down at TPC Sawgrass, which was a really cool experience because, as you know, Nate, there's tons of tour players down there, and I got a chance to meet a few of them. And while I was down there, I would ha- ask them different questions about the golf swing because I'm trying to absorb as much information as I can. One of the questions I asked was, what would be your best golf tip for the recre- recreational golfer? Grip pressure, soft hands, softening well, the hands. I wouldn't expect that. Yeah, softening the hands. So I thought, wow, ask someone else. Same thing. So it was interesting. I, I was getting the same feedback, and it was the first time in, in my teaching career that I really started focusing on the hands, softening the hands, and studying a little bit more about grip, pre- grip pressure. Well, grip pressure is really interesting. The stronger you grip the handle, the faster you're going to swing. They're connected. So really, your grip pressure really is the speedometer of your golf swing. If you want to slow down your golf swing, you're going to have to soften your hands a little bit. Now, I'm not talking about softening like you're chipping or you're putting. That that is a very soft, soft touch. That is a finesse. I'm talking about in full swing on a scale of one to ten, go down to about a six. So if if you know if your if your knuckles are squeezing, you see any white on your knuckles, it, you know if you're gripping a little too tight, try to decrease it. Now you're going to feel like the club's going to slip out. That's the first thing I hear students say. Oh, the club's going to fly. Well, let it fly. It's not going to you know it's going to fly in front of you hopefully, but it's not going to fly. It feels that way. But if you have a proper positioning, if your grip is properly positioned on the handle, it will not fly. Even if you're at a six, even with driver you know, on a scale of one to 10 at that six, it's not gonna fly. But what it forces you to do is it forces you to stay the speed limit of the golf swing. It really does. That makes a lot of sense because I know I've told you, I I struggle with, I I have a strong grip anyway, I always did, but I struggle with takeaway being too quick. So I guarantee Mm -hmm. the two are related just by you. Oh yeah, absolutely. And what's amazing is this, When 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 you slow down a little bit, you're gonna hit shots that are actually further than when, than when you try to try to kill it. And the reason why, it's all about kinematic sequencing. It's all about the sequencing on the downswing. So whether you realize it or not, we there are important segments on the downswing of the golf swing. I don't like to talk about it too much because it's so easy, us as humans, to try to analyze it because when you're swinging that fast, you can't think about segments. I don't want anyone to think about segments, but there are segments that you hit on the downswing. So if you get to the top and you swing nice and easy, what happens is the, the hips fire first, and then the shoulders go, and then the arms go, and then the hands go, and everything goes. <laughs> You're making me laugh. <laughs> I'm watching Nate. Sorry, he got up real quick, and he was taking a picture. It was funny. Um, then every everything else goes. So it's 
it's it's that unwinding of the golf swing so if you're trying to overpower and you're trying to go too fast what's going to happen that upper body is going to try to take control you lose the power of the hips and that's where all the power comes in the golf swing so so that's slow it down that's, that's exactly what i'm working on i just can't take it from the range to the golf course yet and it, it takes yes. me several it takes me about 15 balls to work in a tempo yeah to get that slow backswing and it's something i get in the golf course i forget all about yeah just remember that three to one ratio if you watch the players on tv or you get to an event watch the lpga and the pga tour players now all of them every single one of them have a three to one ratio count you can actually count just sitting at home on the couch watch when that club takes off in the takeaway it's one two three at the top one through the swing. See, I can't do that. I, I try to do the one, two, three. I, I just can't. I'm just not, I guess I'm not talented enough. To, on the range, I just have to think, my thought on the takeaway is slow motion. I have to take No, that's good. Back. That's actually a good thought. But I can't do one, two, three. You can't? Like, no. So what would yours be? If you were counting. Under, <laughs> I mean, the way that I <laughs> like when you get Yes, from the time that during your takeaway to the time you get to the top, what, what is your ratio? Probably half a second to, that's what it feels <laughs> See? like. Half a second to full. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. And look, it's hard. Habits are habits. We all create them. We all have idiosyncrasies in our, in our swings. We all have stuff we have to work on. But that speed, I'm telling you, grip pressure is connected to speed. So maybe what you need to do, Nate, is don't think so much. Don't get hyper-focused on the ratio. Think about your grip pressure next time. Just say, I'm going to okay. go down. I'll go down one notch. Because again, your hands are the speedometer of the golf swing, how much pressure you apply. Yeah. But I'm going to be honest with you. There's no change in my grip at this point. <laughs> I mean, I interlock. It's like it's like not going to happen. Yeah. That's okay. Well, I mean, there's some good players that interlock. So that's, you know, that's a, a good thing for beginners to get their grip right from the get-go. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that actually that leads us to, into our third one, okay? golfers not knowing the fundamentals so you just hit the nail on the head with what you just said about the grip so grip is the number one golf fundamental in golf why is it the number one golf fundamental well your hands are the only connection that you have to the handle your hands to the golf club is your only connection so you got to think about that how your hands are positioned the precision of that the pressure of that, you know, all the P's, I call them the P's. So that right there can make or break your golf swing. I have had so many students that have come to me needing help with their swing and they think that they're doing all these different things. They'll say, well, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and I think this is causing this. And I look at them, I said, okay, great observations there, but you know why all of these things are happening? Because you have poor hand placement on the grip and pour pressure on the grip. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, let me show you. So you get them in the proper positioning on the handle where that club face is nice and secure, not too tight. And all of a sudden they're hitting shots right down the middle. They're back on, and they're, they're back on plane. I didn't make any swing changes. I didn't have to tweak things in the backswing or the downswing. I just changed their grip. That is why it's the number one golf fundamental. It can change everything. So, but it's gotta be tough to change that grip of someone that's been playing for a long time. It is. And so this is what I say when you're making so how do you work? But how do you work around that? How do you say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live with that. Mm -hmm. Let's just 
do you try to make a little tweak to it or do you there's, say there's no little tweaks when yeah. i fix a grip i can't do little tweaks so <clears throat> that's the one area I, I i won't compromise as an instructor when it comes to grip i get them in the exact grip placement right away even if it's brutal for them and i say to them this this is going to be uncomfortable you're not going to like it you're going to want to reject it it's going to feel awkward but you have to trust it by the end of the lesson so if you're in an hour lesson and they've already hit 30 40 balls at this point by the end of the lesson everybody says it's okay it still feels a little weird but not as weird as at the beginning of the lesson and then i give them homework and this is crucial so the homework with the golf grip if you're one of my students the homework is this every single day once we make the grip change for the next 10 days after that lesson they don't have to go to the golf course that i want them to get practice but they don't have to do this at the golf course they just grab a club at home they get in the bathroom they can see a mirror or in the garage if they have a mirror set up and i want them to place their hands properly in the placement that we worked on in the lesson and then i want them to take their hands off put their hands back on take their hands off 10 times a day for 10 days straight takes less than three minutes to do that and the reason why i say take your hands off is this anytime it's funny anytime you make a grip change i see a lot of students once i position their hands they'll they'll try to keep it and then when they get a ball they'll roll the ball <laughs> they, they don't want to take their hands off yeah. our brains how we're wired as humans and how we create neuro, new neuro pathways in our brain this is how we create new habits in life it's not just golf but if you want to make changes in your life you have to it's all repetition you have to do it over and over again to where you create those neuro pathways and you get more comfortable. And then that way, it those neuro pathways all new, it's connecting with the muscles and your muscles and your brain are working quicker and better together. So if I have a student that's not placing their hands on the grip every day, it's gonna feel awkward. But they do that for 10 days, rarely do I have anyone come back to me for the second lesson 10 days later saying to me, I'm still not used to the grip. Every single student says, I am I'm getting used to the grip now because they do the homework. That's better than I thought. But maybe I'm just the exception. But okay, I, so I, now I, you I, have homework, I Nate. I could probably do it, but I don't think my grip's <laughs> bad. I got all kinds of other bad stuff, but I don't think the grip is bad. Now your your swing is actually so, yeah. looking so much better. But I'm but that's key though. Repetition. You don't even have to to hit a golf ball. In fact, studies are showing with the golf swing the past few years that when you're learning the motion of the golf swing the best way to learn the golf swing is in slow motion without hitting a ball in a, you can look in a mirror or you can just go by feel so if you're a visual learner having a mirror in front of you is great if you're a feel learner just feeling it or if you need feedback you know if you have someone watch you and give you feedback if you're more audio you know we all have different learning types but making slow motion movements of the correct movement is the fastest and easiest way to learn a, yeah. to learn the fundamentals of golf and i would do all of that i just wouldn't do it in the bathroom <laughs> is your bathroom not big enough do you have a, i don't think so I can, no. but yeah just go outside go just outside. go outside and do it so fundamentals are crucial the fundamentals, what are they? Without getting too long-winded, because you know I love the golf swing and I can talk about it forever. Um, fundamentals, okay? The number one fundamental we just talked about is grip. I'm gonna go right into the second fundamental that I teach. And these, for, for some of you listening, if you're an avid golfer, if maybe you're a golf instructor, you might say, hey, I, don't, I wouldn't put that as number two, but this is my system, this is my methodology, I, but I think we'd all agree on these fundamentals, whatever order that you have them in. So the second one for me is going to be a target, 
Okay, so finding your target. Obviously, we need something we're aiming at. So grip, target. Third is going to be aim. Club face has, is connected to the aim. So when I use the term aim, I'm talking strictly about the aim of the club face. Where is that club face going? Is the club face square? Is it open? Is it closed? Aim is club face. Then we go into the fourth fundamental, which is going to be alignment. When I'm talking about alignment, I'm talking about the body now, the body positioning to the intended target. Feet, hips, and shoulders. Three different aspects of alignment that I look at with students. It usually, not, not all the time, because I check the hips, but I like to align the feet first using the heels, not the toes. And then I align the shoulders second. Those two usually unravel the hips. But if aligning the feet correctly and aligning the shoulders correctly, do not align the hips. And then sometimes I have to make those hip adjustments uh, with the student. Okay, so that's alignment. Now, getting into the fifth fundamental, getting into that athletic position that we were talking about earlier. Um, when people have the wrong equipment, sometimes you know it's good to go through these fundamentals first before you get fitted for equipment. But the athletic position is crucial, okay? Because that athletic position gets you into a position where you can rotate nicely around your body. Remember, the golf swing is just a rotation around the body. So you wanna make sure that you're in that athletic position. What does it feel like? It feels like you're catching a basketball. It feels like you are nice and balanced. Again, balance is crucial. So you wanna have your feet at a minimum, shoulder width apart with all of your clubs. Now, if you're going into some pitching, chipping, putting, obviously the lower body is gonna be more quiet, feet are gonna move in a little bit, but hypothetically, if we're talking you know, nine iron to the rest of our, the rest of our bag, feet shoulder width apart, nice, stable. Once you're in that athletic position, I should be able to come up and gently push you and you should be stabilized, you should not move. The cool thing about the athletic position is that's transferable a lot from sport to sport. It is. Like yeah. you've got that that stance in basketball, shooting exactly. a free throw, mm -hmm. free throw, tennis. Mm -hmm. I mean, so if you've played another sport, that's oh, where yeah. it does translate. Does it, you know it does travel to that sport? Right. And studies also show the science. We do not lose our motor learning aid. I don't know if you know this, but from the time that we you know we're infants and we start crawling and then we start walking and then um, we start running and then we start riding a bike as children. You know, all of those are obviously motor learning skills. So when we start playing the sports that we played early on, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter how old you are, they never leave you. Those are neuro pathways in your brain that are built. They never go away. You cannot get rid of neuro, those neuro pathways. Obviously, you could get into an accident or have a brain injury that could that could stifle that or affect that. But if but obviously, if there's no damage to the brain, you're always going to have that that muscle that that motor learning that's with you. So you could be a hockey player. I can I have worked with students who are who are now retired playing golf full-time, haven't played sports in 50 years, Nate, and I could pretty much tell you what sports they played when they were a child. And I have so much fun with that because I could see them out there. I'm like, you were a hockey player. <gasps> yeah, I grew up in Canada and played but hockey. You probably, you? you probably can start with the grip. It's like a baseball grip. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's... But the great thing about motor learning is this, you never lose what you did, but you can always grow. You can always learn a new habit. You can learn how to swing the golf club. It's never too late. It, you know, the old saying, you can't, you know, you can't teach a dog old tricks. Yes, you can. You, if you're living and breathing right now, our brains are so pliable and moldable. 
we can change our thinking, we can change our brains, we can change, we can add motor learning, we can do that. So it's pretty cool. See, you can tell I just love this stuff. Okay, oh, wait, hold on, last fundamental. All right, athletic position. Once you get an athletic position, then after that point, you've pretty much hit the majority of the fundamentals right there in, in all of that. So you had to make sure that, again, in that athletic position, that the club, the, the, the club shaft is lying at the correct angle. And that's when lie angle really comes into importance when it comes to club fitting. Lie angle is a huge deal, a huge deal. And I have so many students that come to me, they've never even heard of lie angle. It's a, and that's a, that amaz- it's funny you say that because that amazes me. I, I play with some people who are good players. I mean, I don't say great players, but 8 to 12 handicap they don't know what lie angle is. And that's kind of the easiest thing to know, right? <laughs> right. Well, let me look at your eight iron and let's see where the wear pattern is. So exactly. you're wearing the toe out. It's right. not your golf swing. It's your lie angle. Exactly. So it's just funny people. They don't get they don't it. Get that. Yeah. That, that's the easy part. I don't get a lot of the other stuff, but I get. I kind of get the lie. Yeah. Angle, so. Right. Yeah. So yeah, fundamentals. All right. Let's get to the fourth one, the mental aspect of the game. So many people get in their heads playing golf. How do you take? your golf swing from the range to the uh, course or so that's what this is what i was going to say my yes problem is. yeah or if you're playing let's say you're a member at a club and you're and you're playing in your weekly member tournaments or you know whatever you do when you're out there playing golf and you just were like okay when i play by myself when i'm not under pressure i play really well when i'm on the range i strike the ball really well what what's the missing piece here why can i not translate but my this swing is me to a t this is me, of course, I don't play a lot, once every couple of weeks, but I hit balls a lot. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I'm gonna get better because that's totally different. Right. Going to the, go to the range beating balls, I don't have, a lot of times I don't have a target. Yeah. I just hit, just hit balls and I, if I hit a bad shot, it's like, well, I got another ball. That's not the case in the golf no. course. No. And this is, this is me to a T. So I know you were saying a couple of weeks ago, like, how do you, like the first tee is kind of the hardest for you. Well, it's not, because I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. It's because I, I never used to have to practice before I hit ball. I never used to have to go to the range before I played. Now mm-hmm. I have to. If I don't go to the range prior, it's a it's a really? the first couple of holes is a sight to see. For do me. you feel like you try to like what what's in your mind? Like when you set up to the tee, do you start having fears? No, not at all. I mean, uh, I'm psycho. There's, no <laughs> there's no reason for me to be nervous. It's just that. I feel like when I go to the range first, and this is bad too that I know because we've talked about this, I've got three or four things that I'm thinking about, which you should not have three or four things when you're on the golf course, okay? Because mine, mine is, you know, mine is maintain, stay in your position, slow back, get the club back, turn the shoulder. So I get to the first tee, I'm not thinking about that stuff unless I've been to the range. And I look at my phone, I've got my list. So I've turned very analytical, and it's like it. So the first two holes is a is a you know a creep show right for me but then i play with it and then it's like it just takes me that that long to get into the mm-hmm. but getting my game from the range mm-hmm. to the golf course is mm-hmm. is tough okay do you want a tip should we give our and i know i've asked you several times yeah i know you've told me some good things so mm-hmm. yeah well for our listeners too that may be struggling with the mental side because we all do to varying degrees crossing the hemispheres in your brain is really awesome, awesome, powerful tool to help calm you down and create more um, equalization. Of well, it's your not mind. even coming down. I would would say focus, right? Yeah, it's- focus and or or not over analyzing. So we have the the left side of our brain, the right side of our brain. They have different functions. 
Well, it's really important as an elite player, and I say elite, no, any golfer, it's important. I say this, that for elite golfers, you'll, you will notice that they cross hemispheres a lot. Um, so once you understand, you're probably like, what is Meredith talking about hemispheres? Go on Google and Google this, okay? So you'll find a lot of great information, a um, lot of great information just watching YouTube videos on it. But um, it's that hemispheric processing of our brain. So um, you, for example, are more in a, analytical. I mean, I've known you for years. You're, I would say you're more left-sided than you are right-sided. That's a good thing. We need left-brain people. Look at all the stuff you do. Everything you do is more left-brain oriented. Um, right-brain people are going to be you know, more artsy types. The more, ah, I don't really have to, I'm not going to keep that organized. I do better just off the cuff. And some, and these people might have crazy messy desk, but they could walk to their desk and it could be just a total disarray and somebody can walk in and say, hey, do you have that report on this? They know right where it's at, okay? They're, they're operating more on the right side. And honestly, is one better than the other? No, they're both great and we actually as human beings need the both sides, right? So given kind of just a, a sample of the differences in our brains, when we get out on the course, many of us, can get tense and when you start to get tense and you have a little pressure on you you're really going to tap into potentially more of that left side and that's that's good that's good it's helping you get organized and that's how you're going to win honestly that left side is really going to push you to win but you really need to find the balance in the right side so uh, there's a lot of great information about crossing the meridian of your body okay so you might be like what is that well if i cross my hands i'm holding both of my arms out right now as i'm talking to you I have both my arms out straight. If I cross my arms and create an X with my arms, I have now crossed, crossed my hemispheres, okay? Because with my right arm, I'm using my left side, my left brain. With my left arm, I'm using my right, okay? That's, so if I cross, I'm now crossing. Now I can do, there's all sorts of techniques. I'm scooting my chair back. <laughs> I'm showing you this. There's a great technique that I teach junior golfers who are playing uh, you know, competitive golf and. Uh, elementary school and middle school I have seen phenomenal results with this crossing the, the hemispheres with junior golfers um, I use it a lot with them because kids you know kids are so hard on themselves they can have a bad shot and just feel like they can't play anymore and they're great players so you can do what's called crisscross so again it's all about crossing crossing your feet crossing your arms this is called a double cross so i cross my hands i interlock my fingers like this and then i pull it under my my chest so this is a double this is a double crossing here here like this <laughs> nate's taking a picture of this okay we're having fun on this podcast we're i did not even know we were going into all of this this is so funny but again, crisscrossing, um, tapping your knee. Like if you stand up straight, have good posture, uh, you're standing tall, lift up your knee and tap your right hand to your left knee. Put it back down. Tap your left hand um, to your right knee. Do that about 10 or 15 times. Junior golfers play much better when they really tap into crossing. It, it relaxes them. It's very relaxing. It, I don't know the hormones it creates, <laughs> but it works. Uh, just crisscrossing your body really creates balance and definitely relaxes you to play better golf. And again, there's so much good information on the internet on this, but I have seen it hands-on work, especially with junior golfers. Tour players do it. Uh, it's interesting. 
you know, as an LPGA teaching pro, we're always getting educated. You know, we do continuing education. We're always learning about the game, trying to stay on the leading edge of the science coming out about the game and different things we can do, the neuroscience. And I love the neuroscience of the game. And we're getting so much great information now on neuroscience. But you watch the tour players. And with what I know now about neuroscience and the golf swing, when I see them on TV or, you know, I haven't been to an event in a long time since pre-COVID, but even at an event, I notice these the the process that each one of them goes through. Many of them incorporate obviously pre-shot routines, um, and they have certain quirky things they do. And a lot a lot of times there's a lot of hemispheric processing, crossing those meridians going on. But it, it's amazing once you know it, you can actually see it. It's like uh, it, it's really cool. So it works. Um, if you Google brain gems, okay, just brain gems, gym, gym, like G Y M S, brain gems, at Google hemispheric processing, crossing the meridians. You know your that central line crossing the meridians. Your hands, your feet, any crossing is good. Um, you'll find a lot of really cool information on things that will really help balance the brain. And so it's it's great if you are a very, very strong left side person. Um, let's say you're a numbers person. A lot of people who like accountants, uh, I can tell you occupations that are more left-sided. My husband is like, you know, he's a doctor and mathematician. So he is very, very left linear thinking. And when, even when he does some of this, because I practice all this stuff on it, and he's always my guinea pig, hey, let's do some, some of this. He, he can even tell a difference. So um, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. So anyway, I, I got off on uh, that mental side, but that's a tip. That's some information. I'm still learning a lot about the neuroscience, but I really enjoyed it as an instructor, and I'm definitely seeing a difference. And it helps you translate your game from the range out on the course. So maybe, Nate, when you go out there, do a little crisscross, yeah. little crisscrossing, relax. Let your brains, you know, get more equalized. Yeah, I get so frustrated because I can go to the range and not hit one snap hook with my driver, and I get on the golf course. So it, it has something to do with that for sure. It's yeah. like I, I, I go to the range, I don't do this, and that's the most frustrating. To me, and I, I've told you this, and I, I won't hold this up anymore, but if you can't get off the tee, that is the worst thing for your golf game. That's where it just adds up, and that's where my Achilles heel yeah. is right now. Now, yeah. when I hit it, I, I kill it. But it's just like that that shot I hit on the first tee or mm-hmm. second tee, it's it's a snap hook, which I don't hit at all. So, yeah. Right. But I know, but I, it's in my mind. I've talked to Dale Katola. <laughs> it's on, it's, you know, once that's in your mind, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to just get over that. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. It's so. possible. Yeah. Okay. Number five. This is kind of a weird one. Uh, when people dress uncomfortably playing golf. I see that all the time. Just some people are uncomfortable playing in with the attire that they have on. And I have a little, it, it annoys me that golf has some of the, the rigidness about attire at many other courses. Because I'm so, definitely more laid back in my approach to that. Except for private courses, I totally get that. That's a separate thing, but I'm talking about public courses, municipal gotcha. courses, yeah. So, I could go in many directions with this, but... <laughs> I, I, I know a lot of people like there's there's always dress codes you know it's like of course people wearing jeans playing golf I don't understand how you do it it's like I see people wearing jeans on the golf course which most golf courses do enforce that by right. the way I see people wearing jeans at the gym 
it's like how is this comfortable i mean I it's know. like yeah so i can see what you're saying so but i want to take it a little further here tell me exactly define it for women and define it for men okay because yeah, big i kind of know where yeah big yeah, difference yeah. yeah i okay let me give you an example this is this is what crushes me as someone who is obviously in the golf industry i'm an instructor I want to grow the game. I want people out here playing golf and experiencing golf. I mean, it's to me the most fun sport you could possibly play, especially if you if you like to get out and exercise and walk. I mean, playing 18 holes, you're going to walk four, five, six miles, depending on the, the length well, some, of the course. Some people, some people park their cart right up against the green. It's like, come on, dude. You got to do a little bit of exercise. Yeah, you know, I right? mean, get out there, walk, yeah. enjoy nature. I mean... I, I just love it. So, you know, I my goal is to expose people to the game. Let them experience it. See if they like it, you know? So I say all that to say, getting back to the dress code, a lady golfer uh, that I have taught in the past, she was learning the game. Awesome lady. She was a retired uh, airline stewardess, super cool lady, learning how to play the game. Well, she doesn't know some all the etiquette yet that you kind of naturally learn as you as you get in the game. And she goes to a course here in Myrtle Beach, and uh, has on a golf shirt just like I have on now, like a sleeveless golf shirt with a collar. And then she had athletic pants on with sneakers, uh, full length athletic pants with sneakers, and the shirt was just kind of hanging, you know, like tights or um yeah yeah like athletic pants like something you'd go running in or work out in you know just the the lady uh the lady workout athletic pants yeah they're fitted so she walks into the pro shop and she's like uh you know i want to get a couple buckets of balls she's so sweet you know i want to learn the game and they said i'm sorry you can't hit balls here and she was like why And, and and they said you're a tire now, she had a golf shirt on. She had a yeah, yeah. golf shirt. They didn't like her athletic pants. Now, this was not a private course. In fact, no offense to them. I'm not going to name the course, but it was yeah. definitely not a premium course, okay? <laughs> Sorry. just wasn't. And so they sent her off, and she's like, I just made me want to quit. She said that. It made me just want to quit yeah. because I can't. She's like, I'm comfortable with these pants. Now, I was like, her pants to me, the athletic pants, are much more appropriate than a little half the mini skirts you see on tour right now so i'm like are you serious you're gonna sit there and some of the girls are wearing skirts that are so short it's like literally you can see that their butt cheeks and you're gonna tell me that athletic (laughs) pants are gonna be inappropriate for for you know an older middle-aged woman coming out it just it does not it's not fair it's not equal especially going to the range especially going to the range yeah so i i'm just you know that bothers me it makes me very frustrated now this is something that actually personally happened to me recently like a year ago this was actually during covid this happened to me so as you know solomon he's a senior now Um, he's playing some great golf and solomon is my one of my sons who dresses to the nine like he he will look like a tour player when he's out playing golf he loves the whole tour look so he's got you know the nicest shirts he just loves looking good out there and that's his style is right? he brand consistent too if he he's, wears an adidas shirt he's got yes. adidas shorts oh absolutely adidas shoes, so totally brand player. consistent so you know solomon's dressed to the nine like he normally is and this one day he's like hey mom come out and watch me hit some balls and you know i'll videotape him and stuff sometimes so on this particular day jordan uh, at this time was uh, 13 years old he's 14 now Jordan's like well I want to go watch him hit balls too I'm like all right come on now Jordan is not drawn to golf he's starting to but he's out of the three sons that I have he's the one that does not play 
that much. He really doesn't have much interest. So I thought, oh, cool, maybe he'll get interested going out there, right? So we go out there. I'm watching Solomon hit balls. Jordan's standing right next to me. And Jordan says to me, Mom, can I try hitting his driver? Can I try it? Of course. I'm thinking, yes, he's doing this on his own because I'm not going to push it, right? So I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. So I was like, hey, Saul, you know, can I borrow your driver and let Jordan hit? So I was like, yeah, it's fine. So go and I grab Solomon's driver and I get three, like three golf balls right next to Solomon and I tee one up for Jordan. Jordan hits one shot. It's actually, I was like, whoa, he's got, you know, just some ability there. He's athletic. He's an athletic kid. He goes, hits another, his second shot. After his second shot, one of the one of one of the staff members at the course walked up to Jordan and said, "I'm sorry, you can't you can't hit golf balls." And so I immediately walked up and I was like, "Hey, I was like, it, you know, what's wrong?" And the staff member said, um, "He can't hit golf balls because of his attire." Now I'll tell you what Jordan had on. Jordan had on a really nice pair of Nike shoes. He had on his Nike basketball pants and actually a really nice Nike basketball shirt. He was definitely in basketball, athletic attire. He's 13 years old. 13. Not 18, not Solomon's age. 13 years old. Of course, I'm, as obviously being in the golf industry, I'm going to be very respectful of what the rules are and everything. And I apologized immediately. I had, I did not think anything of it because he's 13 and he was actually dressed very nicely. He just didn't have a collar on. And the gentleman said, he needs to have a collar. He, need, he you know, his shorts are fine, but he just has to have a collar. And so I said, Jordan, I'm sorry, you can't hit any more golf balls. Just take a step back. We'll just continue watching Solomon hit. I wasn't angry about that, but I was very disappointed. Yeah. That disappoints me. Now, and the it's thing- on, It's on the range, too. It's on the range. Yeah. And, and the thing is this, Jordan's 13. This is an age we need to grow the game. I do not think, that any junior golfer, this is my opinion, under the age of 18, okay, I'm going to say 18, because, you know, once, you're, once you become an adult, you're going to be more aware of what you're wearing and whatnot, but if there is any junior golfer that wants to come out and play golf, if they're wearing basketball pl- clothes, let them play golf. If they're wearing tennis attire, let them play golf. You know, obviously, I'm against tank tops. Kids, you know, obviously not wearing a tank top, not wearing a swimsuit. I mean, come on, let's be real. I mean, I'm not talking about they can wear anything. But let them put on whatever shorts they want, T-shirts, and sneakers. That's fine. These kids need to be out in the course. I understand the jeans. I'm with you. I'm not big on people wearing jeans playing golf. Well, there's different types of jeans, but there's, my, yeah. my point was, how do you play, how do you do anything athletic in jeans? Like, yeah, how, how right. Do you, how no, do you I go get to the gym? How do you, you yeah, know, yeah. how do you move? Because jeans, <laughs> jeans aren't, they're tight. Generally, jeans are tighter. For right. Them. It's like, how do you do that? Exactly. So, you know. so yeah, so when it comes to um, the clothing aspect, uh, again, big advocate of growing the game. When I see a junior golfer not being able to play golf, and it happened to my own son, and I'm a pro. And it happened to me. It happened to us. And this happened. And I'm, I was thinking, unbelievable. Now, mind you, <laughs> uh, on, the, on the side of the staff member who said he could not hit, Jordan is six foot one for 13. He's almost 6'3 now. He's 14. He's a very tall kid. So from his perspective, he could have looked like an 18 or 19-year-old far off. But he, he wasn't. He's a yeah. 13-year-old kid, you know. He's still got a 13-year-old brain. So it's... So I'll confess to this, being in the industry, is that you try to enforce, you know, the dress code policy. But when someone comes in in a T-shirt, if it's a presentable T-shirt, it yeah, right. doesn't have Budweiser or Miller Lite written on the front, it's like, you know what? 
or yes, yeah, something comfortable. inappropriate. Maybe it's a Nike T-shirt. Yeah, that's what he had. Like, yeah, you he know what? Nice. And especially in the summertime in Myrtle Beach, you get people that <laughs> don't play golf. It's like you know, some people like getting back to your point here, dressed uncomfortably. Some people, that's comfortable to them. Right. Sometimes people don't wear shirts or collars. Yeah. Um, heck, yeah. I mean, Tiger Woods doesn't wear a shirt with the collar. Right. right. So. So. I, yeah. That and the whole collar thing to me needs to go. Now, it needs to go. Now the tank top guys in the tank top. It's like, oh, no, you mean right. like oh, especially yeah, the wife beaters. Oh no no that's no just, no no looks, no no bathing suits, no wife beater shirts. Yeah. So <laughs> there, I do draw a line, but t-shirt. As long as it's not holes in it, agree. It's like, why go I down agree. that road? Why go down that road? And on the range, it's like, oh. but I will admit, no matter I don't go to a golf course to hit balls. I go to a practice center. I'll put on a dress pair of shorts and mm-hmm. a, I'll make sure I have a collared shirt. I can't do it because of the years I've been in the golf course. It, it's, it's like just, it ruined you. It's yeah. <laughs> it's great. So just so if I wore a t-shirt on the golf course, I would feel dressed on I'd be dressed uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Cuz I just feel like right. you know, it's like yeah. My husband's the same way. So when Landon, he doesn't I mean he's not a big golfer, but when he plays, he'll always wear, you know, a nice pair of shorts and a collared shirt. It, he just wouldn't feel right not doing it. What could I wear, honestly? I, I mean, I wear collared shirts. I, I wear the golf attire and the, the athletic golf attire. But if I ideally could wear what I really wanted to wear, I would not wear golf shirts. Yeah. <laughs> I would wear much more comfortable uh, clothing. In fact, I would probably wear more what you see every day today, just um, what I would wear if I wasn't golfing. Uh, like golf shoes, for example. I think everybody feels like you have to have a pair of golf shoes. This, these are my thoughts on golf shoes. I only, I only need golf shoes, you know, with with some cleats on the bottom when it's wet. Okay, so if the ground is dewy, I need some, I need something to get me some friction. If it's going to be raining or potential rain, I need it. And I can attest to that because some of the lessons that we filmed, you're wearing shoes with no tread on the bottom yeah no it's tread. Like just yeah. flat it's i know like i love almost it almost like leather bottom yeah it's like hi how does she do that well so it's, it actually yeah. it, it helps my swing too and i'll and i'll tell you why but if it's dry and it's not dewy i want to wear sneakers because that's how i grew up um the only time i wore cleats growing up and i grew up in the era where we actually had the metal cleats click 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 that annoyed me so much and i, I only I miss those you miss those <laughs> I miss the metal cleats because I, I felt so much, so much more stable. Stable, on the yeah. Golf course. Right? No, I get it. Yeah. But I would only play with my cleats when I played in tournaments, and then when I would practice, I'd practice in my sneakers. So that was just kind of my system growing up, and I still do that now. A lot of people, I think, feel like they have to have the whole golf look. So you look at someone on tour, and you want to emulate that. Nothing wrong with that at all, but. Sometimes you're not comfortable. Not everyone's comfortable wearing a belt. You know what I'm saying? Think about yeah. it. There's some people I know that never wear belts, but when they play golf, they wear belts. I'm like, why? Doesn't that bother you? You got to be comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it. So this idea of you have to look a certain way to play golf, you don't. I think that the most important thing, again, is when you go play golf. Number one, you want to have fun. That is always the number one goal to me is to have fun. Number two, you want to be comfortable. You want to you you want to dress appropriately, but you want it to be comfortable. Yeah. Well, you want it to seem natural. It's not like yeah. you're going to do something different. Right. Because golf's hard enough. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you just want to go out and you know feel comfortable. Um, and this has evolved so much in the last since we got into the golf business. For the last 25 years, the dress code has definitely been pushed a little bit. 
which it, which I think is fine, and they yeah. sh they should be, you know, the tour should let the men wear shorts. Right. I think that's that's crazy. But I there's kind of some, I don't know if it's like a contradiction, but it's it's interesting. So uh, you look at like how golf is marketed for women. Let's talk about women for a second. So you see some of the women dressed on tour, um, a majority of them dress pretty cool and appropriate, and then you have some that. It, push it okay and then you have golf influencers that dress just like they're literally playing golf in bikinis and just yeah. you know showing off their body obviously because they want to get followers and whatnot and that's how they make their money is showing their body so it's you know you look at these golf influencers who dress very risque and then you see some of the players dress that way but not all of them and then you then a woman who is retired, wanting to learn to play golf, goes to the golf course dressed appropriately with athletic pants and a golf shirt, and she gets kicked off. Do you see? There's not. It, it doesn't. It doesn't connect. So what the media and the coverage and the sexuality that's focused on women, it, it's not connecting because you go to the golf course and they're like, no, you can't hit golf balls. And this woman was covered up. Her whole body was covered up. It doesn't make sense. It, but that. It, that's not like that across the board. That's just someone working, having a bad day someday at the yeah. golf course and saying, well, why'd you do that? If right. you go somewhere else, it's like, no, nah, you're fine. Yeah. You know, so, but unfortunately, when people look at, they say, I'm going to the golf course, and they have that experience, they associate that with, with every everything. experience that they're going to sure, have. Sure, so because that's, that's the, the only part. experience they have. So then it gets this yeah. bad taste, and that's not... So it, that's not how we need to so grow. So people are game. enforcing rules that aren't necessarily rules. They're just rules yeah. there because that's what they feel like they've got to enforce. Right. So. so we need like universally speaking. <laughs> and we and, need some. And you could have those, and you would still have people that would just it, their just, interpretation is this. It, right. It, that's so true. What you yeah. just said. The key word is interpretation yeah. and what that is. Yeah. So anyway, again, dressing comfortably, and obviously you know nothing too crazy but dressing comfortably is huge and not feeling like you have to have the white belt and the white pants and the collar shirt and you know yeah. dress comfortable because when you're comfortable you're going to play better golf and you're going to have more fun so don't feel like you have to dress like everybody else i'm getting used to wearing a hat years ago i didn't have to because i had hair but now if i don't wear a hat Nate, you I'm have hair at the top you but have the, but, hair but and it, it's amazing though just things like that, getting used to wearing a hat playing golf. I never used Does to it wear feel, it. it feels different. I know I'm used to it now. Yeah. But it was that. It's just it takes time. Yeah. You know, if you've been in, if you've played golf a long time, and right. Make changes. So it does. I actually recently started kept my watch on while I was playing. I used to always take my watch off. I leave mine on now. Yeah, I leave mine because I want to get on. the steps. In. I want to know how many steps. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, That's so. smart. Yeah, and then a lot of people have do their yardages on their watches and stuff. Um, but I started wearing my watch, and I'm actually just getting used to that. And it was funny when Natalie Golbus came down here uh, years ago when she came down to Polly's Plantation Golf and Country Club. Um, when, when we went out and played, she had on bracelets. She had on a watch. She had long fingernails. I'm talking like long fingernails and multiple rings on her hand. Dang. And she was hitting the ball perfectly. I'm like, how do you? How do you play? Me, I can't have my rings. Like, I don't have my, my wedding ring on right now. It's just because I'm this time of year, I'm so busy. I can't.
keep it off a lot during the day when I'm working and stuff because I can't have that. See, I don't remember that. Me. Did she wear? Did she wear her? Glo- did she wear a glove? She over? wore a glove. Yeah, she just put a glove over it. But then on the other hand, she had on like one or two rings. It amazed. Honestly, I was like, that. I wish I could do that. I'm like, yeah. how do you do it? She goes, I've been doing it for so long. And long nails. Uh, I keep my nails really short because that's how I'm comfortable playing golf. Because especially with my grip, if I feel my, feel my fingernails, I just it feels weird yeah, to me. Yeah. She, it was amazing. I actually respected it. Like, now that's cool. I wish I could be so comfortable with my golf swing that I could wear a watch. I could wear bracelets and it's not going to affect me. So I, I now added the watch. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> the one thing I wish, I wish I didn't have to wear a glove. I mean, I look at people who don't wear gloves and say, man, I wish I could do that. Yeah. I, I have to wear a glove. My hands Just sweat, get sweat so much. Yeah. Especially in the summertime. I don't know how people do that. Well, they so. have so many cool new gloves now that are so thin yeah. just for the sweating. Like, they're not as, you know, there's not as thick as they used to be, like the cool ones and uh, the gel ones. I mean, there's some really cool gloves now that are much more comfortable. It's just another expense. It is another expense. Maybe it's a good expense, though. Yeah. All right, so we're going to wrap up this podcast. Um, that was a lot of fun. I hope everyone listening, maybe you got some good pointers today that will help you. Maybe you're like, oh, my goodness, can't believe they're talking about this. This was fun, though, to cover these five topics. Yeah. Had a good time. I learned some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, well, me too. I'm, I'm learning so. too. So, all right, everyone. Well, you have a great week. Come back and join us on the Gimme Golf podcast. Hit them straight, hit them long.